Well, before we jump into our sermon for the morning, I wanted to give us a little family update of some things going on with the Say Yes Generosity Initiative. Um, man, what, you, church, have been super generous. So uh, we, our series uh, prior to this was uh, looking at Moses' life and this idea of saying yes to God and whatever he calls us into. Uh, and then particularly in the area of generosity and giving financially, uh, that we might be able to say yes as a church to the next permanent space that the Lord provides for us here in Silver Spring, that his ministry and the gospel might continue to go out in profound ways through the well. Uh, and $1.2 million was pledged uh, in that Say Yes Generosity Initiative. That's a ton of cash, online, in person, man, rejoice, right? That's amazing. And, and what's even more amazing probably is already, is an update here, $850,000 worth of cash has already come in. Let's just clap for the generosity of God and his body here at the well. Um, you know, this will allow the well uh, to say yes to the next permanent space. We're, we're looking for permanent space here in Silver Spring that we could sink our roots in for generations to come, uh, to see the gospel go out, to see lives transformed and churches planted. Uh, there were two buildings kind of out there. Uh, one we'll know a bit more in, in, in August, uh, so you can pray for August that the, the current LOI on that building would fall through. Uh, pray that it would fail if that is the right building for us. Uh, that we could then purchase it. Uh, another building we just looked at was a bit too small for us. An awesome location, but, but a bit too small. Uh, and you don't, you know, if you've moved into a home with your family, you don't want to move into a place where already you're cramped, right? So uh, that would have been the situation there. So we didn't want to do that. All right. So, uh, but, but meanwhile, gosh, uh, uh, the Lord is doing profound things, the kinds of things that we're excited about as a church to continue doing when he sinks our roots in here permanently. Uh, one of those uh, two community groups rallied uh, to care for uh, an elderly woman who needed a place to live. Uh, she didn't have uh, the necessities uh, in which to live, and these two groups uh, pitched in their own cash, and the will, well pitched in cash, and a lot of legwork was done that this gal could move into a permanent uh, space uh, for her to live and, and have a bed and have uh, home decor and have the necessities. Man, praise God for the work uh, of the church. Man, praise God. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can clap for that. Uh, these kinds of things are happening. Uh, uh, the downtown community group just told me that they want to throw this party for 100 teachers in a Title I school uh, so that they can be uh, cared for and encouraged as they had a, a terribly hard year this past year and head into a new school year. So uh, we, the Well Community Church, particularly this one downtown community group, is going to throw this party to celebrate uh, teachers as they head into uh, the new school year there at Harmony Hills. So praise God for that. Um, praise God. All right, let me take us into uh, our series. This is the last of our series of Ordinary Awesome. Brandon uh, Smith uh, uh, has led out on this series uh, talking about how uh, the Lord, when he ascended, uh, Jesus, when he ascended, he left us, the church, to continue the work he had begun to do. Uh, and in continuing that, there's a lot of kind of ordinary things that the Lord kind of left uh, us to do as a church. He, he left us uh, his scriptures that we would get to know him intimately. And in one sense, that's super ordinary, right? We, we read a book and we get to know the Lord. But, but then wouldn't it be awesome if this summer uh, we, we spent our lives in the scriptures and got to know him in an intimate, deep, personal way. And he transformed our lives radically in an awesome way. Wouldn't that be awesome? 
Uh, then uh, we looked at Acts uh, uh, 2.42 and continued in that theme of this other kind of ordinary thing, right, that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Kind of ordinary that the church keeps growing, right, in one sense. But, but then we, we stepped back and said, wouldn't it be awesome if your name or my name was written into the testimony of someone who had come to know Christ this summer? Maybe a neighbor, a coworker, a friend you've been praying for, and you got to see them come to know Christ. Wouldn't it be awesome if, like, uh, Paul shares uh, Ananias, uh, this guy who shared the gospel with him, and, and opened his eyes to the Lord? Wouldn't it be awesome if your name or my name was written into a testimony of someone who came to know Christ this summer? Uh, another ordinary awesome thing that we'll look at this morning is, is prayer. Uh, in Acts 2.42, uh, we see that the church, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, those following the way of Christ, they just kept praying. All through the book of Acts, they, they keep praying. And often this little phrase shows up. Uh, they're praying in Jesus' name. Like, repent and believe in Jesus' name. Or they're praying for boldness in Jesus' name. And what they're doing is they're following the pattern that, that Jesus presents for us in which to pray, in which to talk to the Father in his name. So what I want to do this morning is look at that little kind of ordinary, awesome opportunity we have to talk to our eternal Father in the name of Jesus and this promise that we read in John chapter 16 that we are to pray in his name and whatever we ask of the Father in his name he will give to you. That's an amazing promise. And what I want to do is I want to first kind of just set the context. What's the situation? And give kind of some overview explanation of the passage where, where Jesus in this last week of his life is explaining you ought to pray in my name. And whatever you ask in my name, it will be given to you. So just kind of explain the situation and the passage in a kind of overarching way. But then I want us to focus in on that little phrase in Jesus' name and ask what the heck does that mean? Because lots of misconceptions have, have taken this and kind of boiled it down to a, a, well, a useless kind of thing or a tag on in a way that doesn't compel us to pray. But we want to let those misconceptions drive us to the grandeur of the opportunity that we have to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Because wouldn't it be awesome if this summer... The Lord answered kind of the, the deepest prayer, the, the, the greatest longing of your heart, the, the thing you've been thinking about or, or were wishing he might do. Wouldn't it be awesome if he answered that this summer? And I want us to follow Jesus' promise to pray in his name towards these kinds of things. So first, the situation, explanation in an overarching kind of way, then focus in on praying in Jesus' name and the misconceptions attached to that. Okay, here's the situation and the explanation of this passage. Jesus is talking to his disciples in John chapter 16, and this is part of John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And here's what's happening. Jesus is talking to those who are closest to him, his closest friends, almost like family to him. These 12 followers of his. And they are, they're confused and they're, they're feeling really alone. We see that in the beginning of uh, this passage in, in verses 16 and following. A little while and you're going to see me no longer. And again, a little while and, and then you'll see me. And, and his disciples are scratching their heads and they're saying to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you'll not see me. And again, a little while and you'll see me because I'm going to the Father. And, and they're super confused, just like they were in chapter 14 and 15 and 16. Because Jesus is saying things like, I'm going to leave and I'll be gone. And they're like, no. 
We don't want you to leave. And he's like, don't worry, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you. He'll be a counselor for you. That's John chapter 14. And then he says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be gone. And they're confused. And they're like, oh, man. He says, you can still abide in me, John chapter 15. And then now here in John chapter 16, he's saying it again. He's saying, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be gone for a little while. This is the last week of his life before he's crucified. And they're saying, oh, my gosh, we don't want you to leave. They're confused. They don't understand what he's saying. They, they, they think he's going to be with them. They're, they're wondering, maybe he's the Savior, right? And he's setting up for them this uh, kind of moment in time where he's going to die on the cross. And for three days, they're going to mourn and wail while their world rejoices because they're going to say, we took out this insurrectionist, this Jesus. They're gonna, the Romans and the Jews, they're going to rejoice, and, uh, but uh, the, the disciples are going to be weeping and hiding. But then there's going to be this moment, right, uh, when he comes back, he's resurrected, and their sorrow turns to joy. They're confused and alone in the moment, but then he's going to resurrect, and their sorrow is going to turn to joy. And then he's going to leave again, and this is in view as well, because that day is the day he's going to return for good after he has ascended to the Father. And and we're kind of in that moment of this confusion and aloneness even today as we wait for his return in that day, that day when what? All of our questions will be answered. Everything will be given. We'll have no wants, he says. In that day, you'll ask nothing of me. Every question will be answered. Everything will be given. Every tear wiped away. So he's saying, look, I'm going to be gone. And I know that leads to feeling alone and confused. And you might feel that way today. That sets the stage for this fact that he then says, but there's a better day coming, verses 20 and following. Truly, truly, I say to you, you're going to weep and lament as the world rejoices, but, but it's going to be like this. He says, when a woman gives birth, it's a really kind of a weird analogy for us, but he lists it from the Old Testament. He says, when a woman gives birth, it, she's, it's terrible, right, in one sense, right? Really hard, really painful. Uh, there's, there's weeping and wailing. When she's delivered the baby, though, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So it, it's like a, a, your Facebook feed, right? Uh, you, you had all this anguish in, in childbirth, but the, what do you post? You post all the pictures of what? The smiles. <laughs> The joy, the fun, and that's what we remember, right? Uh, you know, even as you raise these kids up, right, there's, there is tons of heartache, tons of weeping and wailing. But, but what do you post? You post the smiles, the joy, the fun, because in a sense it wipes it all away. And Jesus says, look, I know you feel alone and confused, but that day is coming when after I've resurrected and I'm with the Father, I'm going to return, and it's going to be amazing. We're going to be in a new creation here on earth with no sin, no brokenness, everything reconciled between us and the Father and one another. Everything restored. It's going to be awesome. In that day, you'll have no questions. You'll have no wants. You won't need to ask for anything in my name in that day. But he steps back because he knows what the disciples are thinking and he knows what you and I are thinking. He's like, yeah, but today we're a bit alone. We feel a bit confused. We don't know how to make it through this life without you, Jesus. And so that's when he says in verses 23 and 24, I want you to keep talking to me now. I want you to keep talking to me now because I am with you. 
You are not alone. Truly, truly, I say to you. Truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you. It's so be it, so be it, right? It is as it is. Normally, uh, a rabbi would give a teaching and then someone would respond, amen, like so be it. That's right. Uh, Jesus says, look, I am the son of God, so I'll start with what I'm going to teach with amen, amen. Uh, This is as good as done. It is true and it is important. So he starts his teaching with truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, whatever you ask, of the Father, in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be complete. Whatever you ask of the Father, in my name. He kind of gives us the pattern in which to talk to him today. He says, uh, the, the, the Christian God is the triune God. So talk to the Father, ask Him, come to Him, enjoy a relationship with Him. And you can do that in my name, through me. And you can do that in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, enjoying relationship together. So generally when we pray, we ought to over and over again come to the Father in the work and the person of the Son and, and by the Spirit. We can enjoy relationship with the living God, He says, even today when when you're alone and confused or you're joyful or you're sorrowful, you can have a vibrant, deep, intimate relationship with God the Father. You're not alone, he says. You're not, don't have to be. Uh, you can reach out today. Until now, though, he says, you've asked nothing in my name. <laughs> Until now, though, you've asked nothing in my name. He says, you know, there's this kind of epic change that's occurred where Jesus has now come and you can ask anything in his name before, in a sense, we couldn't approach the Father so intimately and directly. Like there's this change in epic, but, but, but probably for us, it's more of a problem of neglect until now you've not asked anything in my name. That If you look at your prayer life or I'll look at my prayer life, we say, actually, I've just been neglecting to talk to the Father. In the name of Jesus, in the presence of the Spirit. Not been enjoying what's been given to me by Christ. Uh, And in a sense, then, my joy is not yet full. Ask and you receive that your joy may be full. He says, we have this privilege. We're in this epic of time where we're maybe confused and alone, waiting for the return of the Son. And he says, even in this moment, you can talk to me. You can approach the Father in the work of the Son and by the Spirit, that what? That our joy might be complete. I think one of the most compelling reasons to talk with the Lord more and more is this little phrase, in Jesus' name. And I want to look at two misconceptions that I think will compel us to talk with him more and more this summer, that we might see him answer uh, what we've been thinking about over and over, and but maybe not praying about, what we've been feeling over and over again, and maybe praying but not seeing him answer. That, that this, this little phrase, in Jesus' name, might compel us there. That we might pray to the Father in Jesus' name. The first misconception is that this is some sort of mantra now, this is some sort of uh, mantra that we tag on to the back of uh, our prayers as, as though we're kind of rubbing the genie's bottle, right, to, to get whatever we're asking for, right? Uh, so, uh, 
Oh, Lord, I pray in your name for more wishes, right? If you're going to wish for one thing, what do you wish for? You wish for more wishes, right? So uh, you rub the bottle and you just pray, Lord, give me this or do that in Jesus' name. We tag on this mantra to say, uh, see, your son said, if I prayed in your name, you would give me exactly what I'm asking for. This is some sort of mantra to tag to the end of my prayers. When, when that's nothing at all of what praying in Jesus' name, and maybe Jesus didn't even mean that we were to say that little phrase at the end of our prayer, but simply we are to come in absolute dependence and relationship and in alignment with who Jesus is and what he's done. To pray in Jesus' name is not some sort of weird little mantra we get to say so we can have more wishes for our genie God. But in, instead, it is uh, more this uh, disposition of dependence in relationship because of who Jesus is and what he's done that we can uh, approach the Father freely. And also, it's alignment with who Jesus is and what he, he desires in his will that we pray. In Jesus' name is to pray in the very essence of who Jesus is. His name captures who he is and what he's done to give us access to the Father. Right, just take his, his name, Jesus, Yeshua, Savior, the one who rescued us, gives us salvation, right? It's through Jesus we approach the Father. Uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2 says Jesus is the Lord, the one who, who is over all and, and reigns over all of creation. It's actually through him that everything was created. It's in his name that we pray. Or, or he takes on uh, the, the Father's name, even the great I am, the eternal one from Exodus chapter 3. We see Jesus all through the book of John saying, I am the great I am. It's it's, it's by his name, in his essence, by his power, who he is that we pray. And because of his name and what he's done, we come as his sons and daughters, baptized into the family name. Uh, Matthew, the end of Matthew, we see uh, that we are to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son. We're, we're family members. We get to come in as his children with, with direct access to the Father. We don't have to go through any saints when we pray. We can talk directly to God because of Jesus' name, what he has done, and that we bear the family name as sons and daughters baptized into Christ. You know, one of my favorite things is when I've been away uh, for a few days, either on vacation or a work trip, and, and I'll come home. And the front door will fly open. And little Leo and little Brooke and, and even Jake and, and Cammie and Jill will just run out to me in Eden. And they'll run out. And, well, Jake will sometimes stroll out to me because he's older. But the little ones will run out with big smiles on their face. And I'll just wrap them up because my kids always have access to me. And their joy overflows and relationship with them is what I want. When they've wronged me or wronged the family, if they run towards me, I'll still embrace them. My kids have access to my bedroom. No one else has access to my bedroom except my wife. And at night, we keep the bedroom to ourselves. They can't come in then. But every other time, they have access to the bedroom. My kids have access to my bank account, my resources. I pour it out on them with joy. When we come in the name of Jesus, we come as sons and daughters of the eternal King of heaven. 
And we can run towards him and with a smile he embraces us. I sat with a dad who, who lost his 17-year-old daughter this week. And he wept over and over again. I wept with him and, and prayed with him because he can't talk to her anymore. He doesn't have a relationship with her anymore here because she's gone. The privilege he had to sit with her and enjoy her and talk with her, it's now gone. Do you know this was our situation with our own Father, the Creator, the one who made us prior to the work of Christ? Listen to how Isaiah 59 puts it. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear dull that he cannot hear. The Lord is completely able, is what the first verse says. But your iniquities, my iniquities, my sin, your sin, it has made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. This was our situation before Christ, before the very person in the work of Jesus to pour out the grace of the gospel on us. We had no access to the Father. We could not talk with Him. We could not sit with Him. We would remain alone and confused and cast out as orphans. But in the very work of Jesus, Yeshua, our Savior, we are brought in as sons and daughters. He'll never turn away from us. We have this relationship. The question is, are we enjoying it? By prayer, talking to our Father in the name of Christ, in the joy of relationship in the Spirit. Dependence in relationship is the first thing that in His name is all about. And secondly, it's, it's about alignment. It's not some little mantra to tag on, but it, it is about a prayer that is in alignment with the very, uh, not just the, the person and the works of Christ, but the person and the will of Christ. That we might abide and know Him and get to know Him. Actually, uh, John chapter 14 uh, brings up this same kind of in His name sort of prayer. And He says it this way, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me will also do the works that I do. And, and greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in My name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask Me anything in My name, I will do it. He, he says, you can approach Me this openly. And he says then in uh, chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, the idea here is not just uh, approaching and full access to the Father, but it's, and it's an alignment with the Father's will and the will of the Son. When we abide in Christ, what we learn over and over again is what Jesus desires of us in our lives. And then we, we pray in accordance with the desires of the Son in His name, according to His will. I was uh, a couple years ago, I've gotten to uh, do this a few times uh, in the summer, get to go out west and, and hike. What we do is uh, we'll, we'll get a plane and we'll land, and then immediately that day we'll just start hiking out on the trail. We'll start putting up a tent every night. It's just awesome, kind of out in the middle of what they call the back country, which is 20-some miles in the middle of nowhere. It's a joy because I get to see kind of some things that nobody else gets to see. And one of the things I got to see was the Tetons, right? These mountains, massive mountains in and, and Teton National Forest. And, and I go out there, I'm hiking, and, and I turn this corner. 
And what I've been doing uh, in the, for the past two hours of that hike is praying because what had happened is one of my kids had not been developing for years. And it becomes just starkly apparent that, that she was not going to develop in the same kind of way that my other kids were going to develop. And we had just gotten news from the county that they were not going to uh, put her in the school uh, of education that she'd so desperately needed uh, to, to receive the special care that she needed. And man, I was distraught. We had gotten a flat out no. And so I'm praying and, uh, for a few hours because when you're hiking, you often separate a little bit, a couple hundred yards, and I'm just praying and talking. And I, and I turn the corner and I see these huge Teton mountains. And I just, it took my breath away as I'm talking to my eternal father about the fact that he is saying no in this circumstance. And it hits me when I see the, the massive creation that, that he has erected there in the Teton Mountains and in his might and his power, that if he says no to my prayer, it's not because he is unable to answer yes. It's that he has something else planned in this journey and in this brokenness to do in my life or through me or in her life or through her uh, in all of eternity's scope uh, for his glory and his purposes. And I have to somehow in that moment trust in his goodness and trust in his love. And I, I then question that some and then I'm reminded, man, I can trust him. Why? Because I've seen the immense sacrifice he has made on my behalf, in the person, and the work, in the name of Jesus, to die in my place, to make me a son, to make me a daughter. And the one who made the Tetons is going to answer in the best kind of way for my good and his purposes. If he says no, if my request is out of alignment with his will, I can still trust him. He is still good. See, he will answer. It will be a yes it might be a no. In this case, I believe it's a later. <laughs> when he returns and I have no more questions and every tear is dried, I will rejoice saying, ah, now I understand. And when her brokenness is mended and all brokenness is mended, I will rejoice in that day that he walked with us through every hour and every month and every year of every one of my kids' lives. There's this old country song uh, by Garth Brooks. Uh, he, yeah, I, I, like, I like country. I'm sorry. There's this country song, and Garth Brooks shows up to a high school football game with his wife, and there he meets his old high school flame. And he says, man, I'm so glad that I'm married to this gal instead of that gal. And, and then he sings this little mind. He sings this song. He says, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Well, the answer was no. <laughs> because he had been praying, make her my wife. And, and, and the Lord answered no. And actually, there's a better answer that he had. And he says, wait. And he provides a different way. Uh, misconception number one is that this is a mantra. You get whatever you ask, whenever you ask. If you just tag on in his name. No, this is about dependence in relationship and alignment to his will. Misconception number two is that praying in his name is just so you can limit it. Limit the prayer. 
Yeah, maybe you've heard something like this. Uh, I've been praying, right, right. And I'm just gonna. Well, I'm gonna pray for a Lamborghini. And then you say, No, 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 no. You can't pray for that kind of thing. That's not in His name. God's not gonna answer in accordance uh, to, to give you that. You you have to pull back your prayers. You can't pray for this or that. You have to limit what you pray for. Obviously, God will not answer that. And actually, I think in His name is to expand or unlimit our prayers in alignment to the the bigness, the grandeur, the amazingness of who our eternal God is and what His purposes are. Actually, to to, to remove the restraint of our prayers, even the word in the passage is whatever you ask. So we know we can pray for the grand things of our God. We, we know we have a reconciling God. So we can look at the turmoil of our country and the r- racial tensions and the, the, the white person of color, this or that, and, and all that is going on and the inequalities in our world. And, and we can say, ah, I just got to do something about that. In one sense, we do have to do something about that. But the Lord says, pray about it. Ask this massive kind of thing that that we might find reconciliation in our churches. We might find the very unity that the Lord prays for in the next chapter. We might find uh, equality come to the surface in where there is now inequality. We might see uh, people valued where they are unvalued. Now, we, we, we might see the Lord do a massive thing. We can pray for grand things in His name. And we can pray for the reconciliation of you and your sister. You and your, your mother-in-law even, man, if God could reconcile you and your mother-in-law. You and your co-worker, you and your closest friend, you can pray for the reconciliation because we have a reconciling God. We, we have a God who is father of the fatherless. Man, what might our prayers look like if we expanded them to the thousands of kids in foster care in in Maryland? What what, what might it look like if we said, Lord, do something about this. In the very name of who you are and what you're about, would you do something about this? And then we would bring it down into our own personal lives and the families in our church now who are seeking to do foster care, waiting for a a child to arrive, that we might pray with them and for them. And then uh, the families who are, are wrestling through desires for adoption we might pray with them and for them God do something our prayers are not limited by praying in Jesus' name in accordance with who our eternal God is they are expanded and unlimited the word is whatever you ask of the Father in my name he will give to you big or little, whatever. Something that you think, man, this is too inconsequential to talk to my father about. He said, I'd love to hear about it. Something that's too massive. You, you say, man, you, you'd never grant that amazing gift to me. He says, I gave you my son. Might I give you all things? And whatever, ask for it. Whatever, impossible or easy. You look at something and say, I've tried to reconcile that relationship for years and years. Now I'm just done with it. I'll never go towards them again. The Lord says, pray about it. 
ask him for reconciliation. It seems impossible. Might he do it? My marriage seems impossible right now. Might he do it? Whatever, ask it. If it's even easy, you say, well, I could probably accomplish this on my own. If when we ask him for it, we declare our dependence on him. Ask him for it. If it feels selfish even, whatever. Ask, hey, this just feels selfish to approach you with this desire. I, I want this promotion uh, that I could leverage my gifts at a higher level with excellence for you, Lord, and, and I could leverage more financial resources for your purposes. Whatever. Ask for it. I want a bigger house that I can use it for your purposes. Whatever. Ask for, ask for it. Let him sort out the answers. Yes, no, later, better. He'll answer. <laughs> He'll give you in accordance with his will, accordance with who his son is and what his purposes are. When he says whatever, here's what I think the Lord is after. He wants to get to the core of you. The core of what you think about, your desires. He wants to step into that area. When there's that thing you haven't shared with anybody, he wants to hear about it. And there's that thing that you so deeply desire everybody in your life knows about it. He wants to know about it and step into it with you. Where there's that pain that is so deep and broken in your life, he wants to be there with you. Whatever it is, ask him for it. Let me add a few more universals to whatever. The second is whenever. Any time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 and 17 says pray continually in, in high times and low times. When you feel alone or when you're with everybody, man, just talk to him about it. Ask him for it. Come to him. When, when you have sinned and you have a sin to confess and you do not want to bring it to him, would you bring it to him in that whenever time? He still with open arms welcomes you in and, and bring a prayer of confession and repentance. He will embrace you whenever. In the midst of your sin, you can run to him. He's there with you in that moment saying, come to me. Whenever. Uh, however, man, when, 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 when you have doubt or when you got faith. However. You know, James will say, uh, pray, but don't be tossed about. You've got to have faith. But, but then in, in, in Mark chapter uh, 9, we see this, this uh, father cries out for a son. He says, I have faith, but I don't have faith. Actually, I don't believe. Help me in my unbelief, Lord. It, when you're feeling faithful or faithless, come to him. He wants to hear from you. And then... When the heck ever, what the heck ever, when you don't know how to pray, come then too. When you've been longing for a child and that child has not come and you don't even know how to pray. When you've been longing to get married and that spouse has not come and you don't know how to pray. When, when you're stuck in a job that you hate and you don't know how to pray. When you are longing and praying and asking for something you know is in the center of his heart and he's saying no and you don't know how to pray. Romans 8 verses 26 and 27 says when we don't know how to pray he'll take over and pray for us with groans. But he wants you to meet him in that spot too in that whatever. What if God answered your prayer this summer? 
What if God answered your prayer this summer? What I want us to do is I want us to take that whatever to him right now. I want us to take that prayer, that, that, the thing we've been asking for over and over to him right now. I want to take that prayer that you, you didn't think you could talk to him about. I want, I want you to talk to him about it right now. I want, him to take, I want you to take wherever your, your most sorrowful uh, aspect of your life is, the most broken aspect, or the most joyful aspect. I want you to take whatever and take it to him right now. And here's what I want us to remember. remember when, well, let, let's, let's close our eyes and begin talking to him about that whatever thing that we want to pray about. Lay it before him right now. Talk to him about it without hindrance. Now approach him in his name, knowing that you are not alone in this right now, but you are actually in Jesus' name, that, that by the work of Christ, you are in a dependent and intimate relationship with the Father because of the Son, sealed by the Spirit right now. You are not alone in this request. You are in his name. You are a son and you are a daughter of the, the one true God. Talk to him now intimately in that reality. Now with open hands, and you may want to even do that, lay your hands before you and kind of turn them up and open in an act of submission. Would you pray in his name in alignment to the answer he has given or might give in the future? Offer it up to him. And ask him specifically for you want, uh, what you want as a son or a daughter of his. But open yourself to his responses now and in the future. A yes, a no, a later, or a better different way. Father, in your son's name, uh, as your children, as your sons and daughters, first, we are so grateful that we are not alone in our request, and you want to hear, or you have asked us to ask you for anything. So we bring you everything in our minds and in our hearts and the depths of our lives, the things that we've shared with no one or things that we've shared with everyone, we bring them now to you. And Father, in our request, we pray that you, you would align your answers in the name of Jesus uh, along with his purposes and his will that you might be glorified and it might be a deep joy. Actually, our joy might become full as you answer us according to your perfect ways. 
Even sometimes, Father, uh, trusting and knowing that you give what we deepest, that we most deeply desire in ways that we do not want. So, Father, in the truth of your scriptures, now we are so thankful and reminded that our joy might be complete as you walk with us. You give to us good things, and we look squarely in the face of your Son and who he is and what he has done for us to be reminded that we can trust you, we love you, and we will keep coming to you over and over again because you are so gracious to us as your sons and daughters in the work of your Son. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. May our joy be complete. Every week we are reminded of why we have the immense privilege of, of talking to our Father, enjoying relationship with our Father. Because in Matthew chapter 26, we see what happened. The son comes before the father and he prays, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He prays it again a second time. Father, uh, if this cannot pass until I drink it, your will be done. And then he says it a third time, saying the words again. And the Lord answers no to his son that he might answer yes to us. He says, no, this cup of his wrath must be poured on his son. The son's blood must be spilled. His body must be broken. Why? That you and I could become his sons and daughters, that we could talk to him about anything and everything and ask him for anything and everything in the name, in the very person, in the work, and in the purposes of his son. Man, will we cling tight to this privilege, this ordinary but amazingly awesome privilege this summer. Let's come and take and eat and remember what the Son has done for us. His body broken, His blood spilled. The Father answering no to Him that He would answer yes to us. Let's come and rejoice over who the Son is and who we are because of what he has done and the privilege we have as a father's sons and daughters because of Christ. Let's take and eat and rejoice over our son, Jesus, Yeshua, Savior, now.